I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hope everybody's doing well today. I want to welcome my man, D-Lay, to the Unimpressed Podcast. And I'm unimpressed that first time I got to meet him one-on-one. Yes, first meeting was a virtual show. I thought went well. I didn't know that you had the personality that you had until we hung out. Because yeah. like when the, the first interview, you were like, so tell me about yourself. This is the Unimpressed <laughs> Show. My name is John. I'm Rich. And uh, we've got D-Lay on the show. And then now it's like we hung out together. I'm like, we're on the boat. He's got his shirt off, swinging around. I'm like, God damn, he's a party animal. John is a party animal. Ugh. Drinking wine and liquor. Same night. <laughs> Same night. I saw And look at me, I'm... I feel terrible. I barely got up this morning. Nah, man, you look good. You, you, you I look barely good. got up. We had a long night. We had a long night. We were partying with some barefoot women last night yeah. in the club. Not partying with them. We happened to be in the club, and they were partying bare feet. I didn't know that's how they get down in South Carolina. They don't have to. You don't have to have shoes on in the club in yeah. South Carolina. You can just come as you are. Yeah, yeah. you don't. They don't. She they don't had care. a pedicure in probably what six months. I looked at that too. Yeah, I saw that. Too. And she and it was like it's something about me. I don't like to see half painted toenails. Mm-hmm. It just does something to me. It's like immediately yeah. turn off yeah. half painted because she was a cute. Chick. Yeah, she was cute. But her feet game. And she had a bunion on the on the pinky toe, and then the other pinky toe didn't have the full nail. I was evaluating her feet last night. Yeah. I, I really I was. Uh, I think it was the alcohol that did it, but I was like, oh. Uh. And then y'all jerked me out of there early. You know what? I, I think we saved you. Now, you, okay. you're going to tell this story for a long time and feel like, because you, you probably feel like we cock blocked you. Let's be honest. Yeah. It was Tyler's idea to leave. It was. Yeah, Tyler's they idea didn't to leave. Fit Tyler's mold. Right. And Tyler's like, let's get out of here. And you were already in the paint. Yeah. I saw you working her too. He was like, hey, listen, I got a boat. You know what I mean? <laughs> 32 feet with the console. We got all this stuff going on. And, I need, and I'm like, well, he is working. And he's like, damn, to get, get her a drink. I was like, oh, he about to close the deal. Tyler was like, Ugh. <laughs> let's get out of here. Yeah, let's get out of here. <laughs> let's get out of here. Oh, and I saw y'all faces when y'all were leaving. Y'all yeah. took a look back at each other. Yeah. And it was like, au revoir. <laughs> au revoir. <laughs> Till next time. And then y'all took me to Ink. Took you to Ink. And it was close. Yeah, that was a bad movie. Then, <laughs> yeah. then I started feeling like, shit, we probably cock blocked this dude. He had it. I mean, that was a, per- you had it set up perfect. That's the perfect alley oop. <laughs> All you had to do is touch it and the ball was going in. And I didn't want to tell you, but Tyler is the yeah. one that suggested Ink. We get to yeah. Ink and it's, it's nothing. Yeah. I probably should say I'm married too, just for the record. What does that have to do with anything? <laughs> We're talking about a man having fun. What is that marriage? See, people always want to bring up marriage when we talk about fun. Guess what? When he got home, that woman was still his wife. <laughs> so what are we arguing about? She came and she cooked crab sandwiches for us and sweet potato fries. He's a like, he got a good family. She understands. He go out and talk a little shit with the with the guys and flirt. Girls understand. And I got a lady, she understands. You know, last time we got together, I didn't have a lady. Oh, really? Nah. Let me rephrase that. I said last time we got together, and it sounds like it was a sexual thing between two men, and that's not the case. Last time that we interviewed, we, we did an interview, yeah. I didn't have a lady. Yeah. I was. So what changed? It's going to be probably the most raw honesty, and I'm going I'm to I'm tailor it so the audience understands it, and even the family can sit around and listen to it. I got tired of throwing my meat out there every day to these women and letting them just have their way with me. I was slutting myself out. Yeah. Absolutely slutting myself out. 
and I didn't feel good about it. The breaking point for me was when I woke up and the girl had already left yeah. and had left a note, like yeah. a, a thank you note. It was in a card. Yeah. I mean, she planned this. It was in a Hallmark card. She left it there and it was $40 in it. $40. And I said, this meat is not $40 meat. It's time to take it off the market. It's time to put it in focus with somebody that can appreciate it. And then, you know, thank God for COVID. You know what I mean? I kind of can see, you know, a positive side because it made me slow down. So your girl's in Atlanta. How'd you meet her? I'm glad you asked. You know, I didn't think you would ask. I was on a real boat. Uh-huh. A real right? boat. You guys okay. don't know about the boat. We explained the, the boat situation a little later. Yeah. Uh, I was performing on a cruise. Again, I'm about to have some. I'm about to be honest. Yeah. I was performing on a cruise. And my mission on this cruise is to go there and take down every woman 35 and under. I was going to be on that boat for eight days. And my mission was to take down every woman 35 and under. And I got there and I saw a plethora of women. I'm like, oh. Oh my God. And I'm entertaining. <laughs> I'm going to be entertaining. So I'm going to be able to get 35 and under. I'm going for it all. I want to knock them down one down every day. Yeah. One a day. Yeah. And I'm in the buffet making food and I look over and I see her. I see my girl. She's making a play and I say, Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Oh, she's first. I'm taking her down first. I got to have it. Yeah. Nice, small waist. And she got a, you know, she's a nice bottom. She's a sexy lady. Beautiful. And I said, I'm going to wait to the right moment to talk to her. Now, keep in mind, this boat is got all type of entertainers on it. You got R&B singers. You got old school Motown acts. You got everybody on there. Mm-hmm. You have comedians. Sinbad is headlining. Okay. Sinbad is headlining. I'm featuring Preacher Lawson and Michael Collier. Yeah. That is the lineup. Is that a good deal? I mean, I, I've had a lot of few people approach me, mm-hmm. and this seemed like the deal wasn't worth, you know, the juice wasn't worth the squeeze. If you, well, it was my first cruise, so I yeah. was like, okay, cool, let's make sure the amount is right, and then yeah. I'll go for eight days, because yeah. again, it's not about the money. I want to take down everybody 35 and under. One particular morning, I wake up, and I said, I'm going to go to a concert, because, you know, I haven't really done much. I've been to, like, the pool and seen things, but I'm going to a concert. I want to see a concert. And it's like 10, 30, 11 in the morning, so I wake up. And I have me a glass of cognac. Yes, a glass of cognac because I want to feel good when I go into this concert. I want to be, you know, ready to take in this concert. So I walk into the venue because it's different. It's different little spots on the boat. Yeah. I walk into the venue and I see my girl, who's my future girl. I see her. Yeah. And she's sitting with another lady. So I walk and I sit directly behind him. And I've got a cup of cognac. And I said, uh, <clears throat> Excuse me, ladies. Good morning, beautiful queens. You always want to greet black women with beautiful queens. It helps. Good morning, beautiful queens. And she was kind of like snobbish, like, oh, good morning. 
I was like, oh, you going to play hard. Okay, I see what you got to do. I see it. The act comes on, and at this point, I'm probably tipsy at this point. The act comes on, and they start off with, uh, put your hands in the air for Jesus. How many of y'all want to love the Lord? I'm like, this is a gospel concert? <laughs> I, I thought this was an R&B concert. I'm like, no wonder she's looking at me like I'm snobbish. I'm drinking alcohol in church. Yeah. This is church on the boat. Yeah, what time was it? 11. In the yeah. morning? In the morning. In the morning. Yeah, it's 11 in the morning. <laughs> so you thought you were at a party. I thought it was a day party. <laughs> I thought it was a day party. It ended up being a day party for Jesus. And we had communion. <laughs> <laughs> did she have her kids with her? And let me, t- but here's the deal. Yeah. I didn't take her down. Oh, okay. I did not take her down on that vessel. Yeah. And the night that I thought I was going to take her down, I, it was my, the night after I performed. Yeah. And we're in this lounge and there's everybody in this lounge. I'm trying to get to her. You know, we've, we've, I've established this rapport with her, so I'm seeing her, you know, each day. Yeah. And I walk up to her. I say, hey, listen, tonight it happens. She giggled. She's like, what do you mean? I said, tonight I want you. She said, that's, that's not going to happen, huh? Whatever. Here's, here's my room key. I gave her the room key. And she looked at it and she giggled. She said, listen, I'm not that type of girl. I'm like, none of you guys are that type of girl. None of y'all. None of y'all. She says, no, I'm, I'm really not like that. I came on the boat to kind of reflect and get my mind away from things. So like, that's not, I'm flattered, but no. So I said, you know what? You're right. Yeah. Let's just go along with it. But I'm not giving up. I'm just saying, let's go along with it. <laughs> I'm like, you know, you're right. Hey, could you, could you, could you walk Reverse me to my room? Reverse psychology. Reverse psychology. Yeah. Can you walk me to my room? She was like, sure. <laughs> we get on the elevator. And it's like, when we got up, everybody in the room looked like, He's about to go take her down. Look at him go. And I'm like, yep, that's exactly what's about to happen. We get on the elevator. We go up to my room. We get off the elevator. And she was like, uh, this is a stop for me. Pleasure meeting you. You really need some friends, some good friends. When we get off the boat, I would like to have a conversation with you. I said to myself, bitch, conversation? I, don't, I won't have sex with you tonight, ma'am. The boat is about to dock in six minutes. Please. I can get it done in four. Please. <laughs> The boat was so, by the dock in six Yes, minutes. man. And then finally, we got off the boat. I did not take her down. And she stayed in touch with me. And I was just like, oh, I'm so mad I didn't get that. I'm, uh. And then I said, wait, let's, let's be mature about this. Let's see if we can see something else other than this woman just being a sexual cake to you. Yeah. And I realized, like, this is a good lady. You know what yeah. I mean? She's a solid lady. I need, some, I need somebody to tend to me. I need, to be, I need a supervisor. Yeah. I definitely need supervision. Because I can jump off the deep end. And, I, you know, she fit the mold. And I'm honest with her. Mm-hmm. I love women. She knows that. These women were here before you. They're not going to disappear when you show up. Yeah. So we got to figure out a way how we're going to all coexist together. And I'm not saying it's going to do some polygamy thing. No, no, no. I'm just saying that, like, the flirting thing, that's going to be there. Yeah. Your wife clearly understands. She's <laughs> <laughs> on the podcast talking about the shit. You can flirt. It's nothing wrong. That's nothing wrong with a little flirt, a little you know, innocent flirt. Yeah, I can't is, help it. You know, you can't I can't help, help it. it. I can't help it. The problem is, I, 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 I could take it somewhere else. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I, I could, but I prefer to just, you know, just keep it that. And I'm learning, and I'm growing. I am growing. Now, when are you not on? I mean, you say if you're with your girl, mm-hmm. you're on all the time. Yes. When are you not on? When does your girl know you're not on? At night when we get in the bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you're on all day long. All day. All really? day. If we get into bed, I'm like, hey, let's, let's, let's just chill out. I just want to, I've had a long day. <laughs> well, just, I mean, just, seriously, what do they know if you're for real or not? They, listen, that's the thing. I like it like that. I no, like I them to be like, are you serious? I don't know. <laughs> you tell me. 
I don't know. Let me tell you, because because I do have this type of personality, I believe I can say things to women to make them like, is it telling the truth? For instance, I told you this. I think I told you this. No, I did not tell you this. I told a girl in the club one night, she said, what do you do for a living? I looked her right in her face. And you have to say this with confidence. You can't waver. I said, I'm an astronaut. Yeah. Now you say that and you leave it alone. Because here's the deal. She has nothing for that. She doesn't have like what, you know, you, you go to astronaut school. It's like what time you got to go to. She has nothing for it. She yeah. was just like, oh, okay. And she doesn't know if it's the truth or not. Yeah. But when I said it, I meant it. I said it like I've been to the moon already. I'm yeah. an astronaut. And she was like, okay, that's good. I said, I got to go home because I got to, you know, I got to get up in the early in the morning. I can't drink too much. I got to go to space. And she was like, okay, like how you getting there? Yeah. Like, oh, she don't know shit. I'm a Nissan. <laughs> and a Chevy, bitch. A Chevy. <laughs> So it's all about confidence and how you say things. Confidence. Can we drink liquor on your show? I don't know why. Because I'd like a taste. You like a taste? Yes. Yeah, do, we have, do we have liquor? A beer. How about a beer? Hey, Stony. Ask the guy named Stony if there's any beers. Stony. Stony. Man, Stony. I'm sorry you were in the hospital for ten days and nobody cared. <laughs> yeah. And nobody cared. Ain't that a shit? Nobody called for him or nothing. They just like we tried to reach him and he couldn't get in touch with him. And Stony popped up ten days later. And Ben had to. He cares about his job. Man came yeah. back with a doctor's note. Yeah. Here, man, I've been sick. I've been awake. Oh, really? Yeah. Files. Get there. <laughs> Get there. This man yeah. works the shit out of it. But he works as hard. To be fair, yeah. John works just as hard as everybody else that's around him. So, yeah. so, Jack, you drink Jack? Yes, I like Jack. I like Jack Daniels. You like Jack? Yes, Jack Daniels. I found out a new liquor. It's called Uncle Nearest. I don't know uh-huh. if you've heard of Uncle Nearest. You familiar with Uncle Nearest? Uh-uh. I'm about to give you some, some black history facts. Uncle Nearest is the guy that created Jack Daniels. Oh, okay. Yes. Now, this is in the 1800s. A black man created some shit. No, you didn't. Yeah. Give me this shit. So they took it from him. And the family members later on were kind of fighting and fighting. And then I'm not sure how they got to that point, but they ended up releasing another brand of the liquor called Uncle Nearest and giving him credit for it and kind of linking him to Jack Daniels as well. So his family has that. So it's called Uncle Nearest. It's strong. Uncle Leary's. Nearest. Nearest. Uncle N-E- Nearest. N-E-A-R-E-S-T. Uncle Nearest. Uncle Nearest. It's, right, it's, it's strong. Yeah, it's really strong. It's good. Do you ever get serious? Yeah. When? Man, I popped my Achilles. I popped. Remember I told you? That's when I met yeah. you. I met you yeah. when I popped my Achilles. Man, that was serious. But I, I don't think I had surgery at that time. Though. Uh-uh. No, I hadn't had surgery. That was serious, man, because yeah. I didn't realize how serious the injury was. Mm-hmm. I was playing basketball with King Kieran over his house. Yeah, He just got a new basketball goal put in his house. Nicely out. Name in the center. Of, it was just nice. And I was just going to use this court to just go work out. So when I popped my Achilles, man, I didn't realize what I did. So after the surgery... I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't do anything for myself. You know what I mean? Like, I can't walk. I'm in pain, a lot of pain. And people yeah. ask, like, what, like, how do you describe it? It's like having a baby come out your foot, out your ankle. And they got to open up the ankle and pull the baby out and zip the ankle back up and put it back. Like, that's how it feels. Painful. So it was serious. I wasn't like, you know, I, you know, I just got out the house. I've been in the house for like four months. Yeah. You know, so I, I wasn't able to get out the house. And I was just like, sort of depressed. Yeah. You know, when you're, you're incapacitated, you can't do what you normally do. You, you know, the mind is starting to, you know, play tricks on you. You can't do this. It's telling you that you're never going to recover. Yeah. And I went through the depression, man. I was, it was, it was a dark moment, you know, because I'm, I'm in, and luckily, luckily for my girl, she was there for me. You know, she, yeah, I told her when I popped my ankle, she called, she, I called her, said I popped my ankle, my Achilles. The next day, next morning, she's in LA and just stayed with me the whole time. Oh, really? Yeah. Just making sure I had everything. This is how I knew she loved me. This is what I know. I live in a loft in LA. Yeah. I have a loft. You know, it's just a long space. 
like a New York, New York style, right? Right. Yeah. So it's a long space. So it's like I have to walk, hop all the way down the hall to get into the bathroom. So I was like, I can't keep doing it. This is, you know what I mean? Then I'm scared. I may pop the other one. Mm-hmm. So she said, baby, you don't have to move anymore. I'm going to buy you a bucket to piss in. I said, I never thought of that. This woman clearly loves me. She's thinking for it. She's like, hey, you don't have to walk. She bought me a blue bucket because the, the PB is the piss bucket. And she would bring the PB to me and I would, you know, use it and she would dump it out and clean it. And I was like, wow, this woman really loves me. She really loves She really cleaned the bucket, huh? Yeah, she cleaned the bucket, man. She cleaned the bucket. Because, listen, I know, I knew a dude that was injured and he was like a single guy and he was yeah. dating three nurses. Yeah. Couldn't get him to come over to do shit. You know, so for her to just be, you know, taking care of me like that, I was like, oh, my gosh. She's she's a godsend. And I, and I I appreciate her. It was like you find out, like, who's really down for you. Like, when you when you hit rock bottom at something. Yeah. You know what I mean? When you, when I mean, you, what was your mindset? I'm not, I'm, I can't you're, walk. When you're, but when you're in a house, Achilles, what, I mean, what goes through your mind about, like, you know, what's going on here? What's, I'm scared, man. I haven't been outside in full months. Yeah. They got the COVID shit going on. I'm walking around in a boot. Yeah. So I'm scared that somebody would bump the boot. I'm like, you know what I mean? So I'm scared to go outside. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, this is my first time when I came to South Carolina, like, being out amongst people, you know, in four months. So it's scary. You know, somebody sneezes, I'm like, allergies or COVID? What is that? You know what I mean? And then, should we wear the mask? Should we not wear the mask? I'm like, this is scary. Yeah, you know what I mean. What What was the, the perpetuation in California compared to being in Georgia? Two and totally it, different worlds, bro. It's 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 this. It's this in Los Angeles. Put your mask on and respect the CDC's wishes. This is Los Angeles. You go to Georgia, take your mask off, pussy. Like, Wait a minute. What are we doing? This is two different worlds. Same state, same country. You know, it's what I was like, I, I don't know what to do. So I had to figure out what is comfortable for me. Yeah. Being around you guys, I'm comfortable around you guys. You don't yeah. have your mask, I don't have my mask. It's cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? But if you pull out a mask right now, I'm like, okay, shit, John, what is this? You just had a mask on. You, you didn't have a mask on for the last two days. And now you got a mask on. Yeah. I'm confused. So I guess it depends on the company you keep. If everybody's on the same page and you respect whatever somebody's doing. If yeah. you had a mask on and you're like, hey, listen, I just prefer to be this way. But if you want to have your mask on, Stoney has his mask off, then I would go for it. Yeah. So, you know, it's just crazy being in, in two different worlds. Yeah. And both people passionate about it. Take the mask off, put it on. Both sides are you know, passionate about it. Well, that's how it was when we were when we came here from New Jersey. You know, we felt a little eerie leaving the state. You know what I'm saying? Like, I felt like when we crossed the border, something's going to happen. Mm. You know, when I drove down here. You know, then you get down here and the, there's no pandemic. It's like the pandemic had an expiration date and they knew the date. Yeah. You're like, yeah, hey, man, in May, COVID's <laughs> over. It's called it something else, but don't say COVID. Call it COVID, but don't call it COVID. Call it COVID. You make it fancy. COVID. COVID. The 19 all. Yeah. It's over. There's no more cases. It's over. Because let me tell you, I'm glad it's over because COVID 19 was about to have a birthday. It was about to be COVID 20. He was definitely buying 21 and 22 and 23 because that's like, that's how it was looking. It was looking like this thing is going to be here for a while. Yeah. And then all of a sudden one day, it's gone. You don't hear any more swords. This is when I knew things were getting better. Yeah, they took Dr. Fauci off the TV. Like, goddamn, Dr. <laughs> Fauci was the spokesperson for COVID. It was like, hey, Dr. Fauci, you just scoot over here. You know, we don't want you. 
Because <laughs> Dr. Fauci is the boogeyman. He was scared the shit out of you. Dr. <laughs> Fauci will scare you. Yeah, you want to wear your mask. If you don't wear your mask, no one knows what can happen to you. Okay, so yeah. it's recommended by the CDC. Every time he came on, I was like, here it comes. And every time he came on, it was a spike in COVID. He leave is <laughs> a spike. Come on, man. I started calling him Dr. COVID. Dr. Fauci COVID. So how is it now in L.A.? Are you going back to L.A.? Or are you mm-hmm. going to spend more? You said you're going to spend a little more time out here in Atlanta? I'm going to spend a little bit more time in Atlanta. L.A. is um, it's back. Yeah. You know, that's what's, that's, that's what's confusing to me. It's like they were pressing so hard about this mask, and then it just stopped. So they don't wear the mask anymore? No. No, everything's open. I don't really understand it, and I don't want to ponder, I don't ponder on it too long to get confused because I'm, I'm one that tries to figure things out. Yeah. So I don't want to think about it too much because I'm going to get locked in time, you know, with so much time in my head trying to figure out why this is happening. And it has nothing to do with me. Nothing. Find out how I can coexist with this COVID shit. I'm not going back on the road in 2021. Yeah. I made that commitment. I'll go back in 2022. Yeah. But not 2021. I want to be completely healed up physically and mentally. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm limping. Yeah. I, I don't walk well. Yeah. I don't walk well. well it took you, like I said, it took you three hours to get from one end to the dock to the other. It, it did. It, it did. Imagine this, ladies and gentlemen, that's listening and watching. Imagine if you didn't walk for four months. Yeah. Right. And then you tried to walk after four months. That foot is dead. It is dead, man. So I'm just, I'm, I'm grateful to be, you know, in a position where I can still, you know, make a living off social media and not go on the road. And, you know, I didn't linked up with Bang Productions. You yeah. know, I didn't linked up with the CEO, Big Money J. <laughs> I'm in debt. I'm See, in it's, debt. It's, let I'm me say debt. something. Don't y'all listen to that. Don't y'all listen to that. I'm in debt mess. Don't you listen. This man debt. is getting it on a grand scale. He is. First of all, it's only two homes that I've been in that's like right here with this. Tracy McGrady, <laughs> NBA Hall of Famer. He had a damn pad. He invited me to his Listen to this, John. When I pulled yeah. up to his house, I said, God, hey, who goes to school here? I thought it was a university. I said, this is not a university. I thought this was the admin department. This is, this is a home? Yeah, just come up here and, up and, and get on the elevator. The elevator? Yeah. yeah, it's on the east wing. You have wings? You have wings. Man, yeah. he had a basketball court in his living room. It's levels to opulence. And what's this, how did you know, uh, meet Tracy McGrady? Uh, I was doing a show with Bill Bellamy in Houston, Texas. Yeah. And T-Mac came out to show him and Bill friends. He came out and he saw me. He was like, bro, you are hilarious. Man, you're funny. And I was like, yeah, I'm even better at basketball. And I'm talking shit to a whole future Hall of Famer. And he was like, he brushed it off. It was all like, I'm talking about funny. What do you mean basketball? Yeah. Hey, man, what you guys come by the house? And I actually challenged Tracy McGrady <laughs> to just like a little, not one-on-one, but like I just, you know, let's, let me see where I got. And I realized, because I played college ball. Yeah. It is levels to playing. Tracy McGrady was shooting the ball from half court like it was a free throw. And I'm like, effortlessly. So I was like, you know what? Let me let me guard him. I'm 5'2". <laughs> You're 5'2"? Not really. <laughs> Compared to him, I'm 5'2". Yeah. I'm 5'11", yeah. but he's 6'8", and he's a guard. I stood in front of him. He took one leg and stretched it out. Didn't even run, just stretched it out, and he was already past my body. Yeah. And I was like, he's so long. Yeah. So I got the ball. He's defending me. He stuck his arm out. It looked like an octopus. Like, it looked like four more arms. Like, I said, who could do anything with you? You know what I mean? And I'm like, okay, I, I would have never made it to the NBA, clearly. I thought I could, but I could not have made it to the NBA. 
And yeah. who did you, you play ball in college? I played at LSU Shreveport. It was a small NAI, NAIA school. It was what, fun. What did you play? Did you run point, shoot guard? I played point. I was a combo guard, shooting and I could handle. So. Oh, okay. A little combo. Nice. Do you miss, miss balling? Do I do. I, I do. I do. But I'm not playing back. I'm not going to go back full speed anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I learned my lesson. I'll just shoot around. Because I'm like, at the end of the day, like, I'm not going to get a 10-day contract. Yeah. I'm not going to get picked up by any NBA team. I'm not going to get picked up by any CBA team, if the CBA yeah. is even still existing. So <laughs> I don't want to put that energy into something the that CBA. get hurt. Yeah. You remember the CBA? Yeah, I do remember the CBA. Again, yes, of course. I was thinking about buying a team. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about buying a team in the CBA. It's just, <laughs> You're from Louisiana. You can tell me a little bit about that. Do you go home much or see any of your family? Or I don't go home as much as I should. You know, I don't like being in a place that doesn't make me feel good. Yeah. You know what I mean? My family, like, it was, you know, I had a traumatic upbringing. Yeah. So being in Alexandria for a long period of time reminds me of that, and I start to feel gloomy and and, and, and dismal and inside. So I'll go back to, you know, to visit family and feel, you know, uplifted and feel like, man, this is, you know, seeing family re-energizes you. Yeah. Um, until they start begging. Yeah. Until they start begging for money. Yeah. Like my family, they really think I'm rich. Now they really think, like, you know, like you're rich, <laughs> but they think I am a wealthy, wealthy, and I'm not. Um, and the reason being, because my family, they don't, you know, they don't understand. They just realize that if they see you on TV, this yeah. is something bigger than I could ever do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the first television appearance that I made was on BET. Yeah. They paid me 1200 us dollars. Yeah. Right. But they, they would air it, you know, a lot. So they would show it. My uncle saw it, saw the episode in which I was on calls me. He says, nephew, I'm flying into town tomorrow. I got to come see you. Now, I know he doesn't have money like this to be flying. He's coming from Saginaw, Michigan. I'm like, okay. You know, it's going to be good to see you. I haven't seen my uncle in like seven years. Yeah. He shows up, and we're having like a family gathering, and he says, nephew. I mean, let me talk to you, nephew. I was like, what's up? No, I don't want to talk right here in front of everybody. Come over here with me. Let me talk to you. I need to talk to you about something. I'm like, it's probably something about his health, and he don't. What's up, nephew? Nephew, you're doing good. I've been watching you. I saw you. You're on TV, you're doing good. You're in, you're in school, you, you, you're doing good. I'm proud of you, boy. Look, let me hold a million dollars, okay? <laughs> you know I'm good for it. I said, what? A million? Listen, you don't have to tell nobody. I'm going to get it back to you installments. You get unemployment, man. How are you going to pay back a million dollars? First of all, I don't have a million dollars. I was on BET. You think BET paid a new comedian a million dollars? <laughs> no. For real, he really did that. He asked me for $1 million at a family gathering and was serious and got pissed when I told him I didn't have it. You know what? See, that's that Hollywood shit, nephew. You get out there and you change on me. The ones that been there for you since the beginning. Change. I asked you for a little funky-ass million dollars, and here you go with an attitude. Shit. Well, keep it. Keep this shit. I make <laughs> hey, it myself. That's the character. What's his name? Uncle his name's Uncle Sherman. Uncle Sherman. That's him. He's the funniest man I know. He's uncle. not a comedian. He's not trying to be funny. He's serious. Is that the same uncle, the thing you're no, talking about? No, that's nah. not Uncle Roommate. Uncle uh, Roommate was different. Now, his name was Danny. Oh, Danny okay. is, um, he, Danny passed two years ago. Yeah. Uh, and, but that's not a sad thing. Danny did it his way. Danny was an alcoholic and he, he went out like that. Like he, the doctor was like, Hey, if you, if you keep drinking, you're going to die. He's yeah. like, all right, cool. Uh, let me get a fifth of Hennessy. Like he didn't stop. Yeah. He, he did not stop. Now I did something at his funeral and I, I don't, I don't feel bad about it. Yeah. I don't feel bad about it at all. I don't know if anybody saw it, but I did it. I put a bottle of Thunderbird in his casket. Thunderbird. That was his favorite drink, Thunderbird. He loved How was How was well, it? He was young, man. He was like 50? Wow. You know what I mean? He's like 50 years old. 
But he just drank every, every day. day, man. Day drinking everything. Day drinking. But when he's not drinking, yeah. quiet as a church house mouse. Yeah. Nothing. The minute he started drinking, he started talking to the TV. That's how I know he's drinking. Come on now. Shit, solve the puzzle. <laughs> solve the puzzle. It's right there in front of you. U.S. of A. Say the shit. Look at him. Come on, us of A. It ain't no damn us of A. It's U.S. of A. Shit. God damn. He been drinking. Yeah. He has been drinking. If he's not drinking, he sit there and watch Jeopardy for 30 minutes and won't say shit. Won't answer one question. Just looking. Hey, nephew, you about to go to the store? I, I'm, I'm about to go to the store. You, you want anything? Uh, give me some cigarettes and uh, some Thunderbird. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, there it is. That's, that's, <laughs> hey, let's write that down. Uncle Sherman. <laughs> Uncle Sherman. Uncle Sherman. Yeah, because like we were that. talking about D-Lay had a, he had a project called Uncle Roommate. Uncle Roommate. And I said he should do characters, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, that's a good character because you can relate to that. I know it's it. Very relatable. Yeah, very relatable. I know him. And like a lot of people think like when I'm telling these stories about my upbringing, like that I'm just, you know, saying it to be funny. Like I really grew up in a house with eight or nine people in it. Did you, did you hear that? How did that it's work? Eight or nine bodies. It's only three bedrooms. Yeah. How did it work? Yeah. I'm glad you asked. Yeah. I didn't think you would ask me. I ended up being roommates with my 40-year-old uncle. <laughs> That's the name, Uncle Roommate. So Uncle Roommate. Uncle Roommate. He it's you know, it's like people, it's you know, it's drugs, uh, people taking drugs, people selling drugs, it's it's all kind of shit going on. And I'm eight years old watching all this unfold, and he's 40. And my whole time in my young eight year old mind, I'm thinking like, don't nobody see nothing wrong with this shit. That's a 40 year old man next to me in the bed. We got bunk beds. <laughs> I got the top. He got the bottom. We got, got bunk beds. We got bunk beds. Yeah. Okay. And he doesn't care that I'm eight. Yeah. Or that he's 40. He probably, or, he probably treated you like you're 30. He treated 40. me like I was one of his, one of his buddies. <laughs> he come in late night. It's like three o'clock in the morning on a school night. He don't give a shit. Nephew. <laughs> nephew, get up. Oh, come on. Nephew, wake up. Wake up, nephew. And I, I'm, I'm up. But I'm acting like I'm sick because I don't want to deal with this shit. I'm eight. I got to go to school tomorrow. <laughs> nephew. Nephew. Nephew, wake up. We got to talk. Wake up, nephew. Nephew. Wait, what's up? What's up? We got to talk. About what? I'm eight. Yeah. I got to tell you what happened at the club tonight. What? The club. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what happened at the club tonight. Sit up. Let's have a conversation. I'm like, I got to go to school. I don't give a shit about no school. School don't leave people. People leave school. Think about that. What? So I'm sitting up. It's three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. It's Monday. I got to go to work. This man is telling me about a club experience. I'm in a club with Sheila having a good goddamn time. You remember Sheila? I brought Sheila over. He would bring women over. So now I had Sheila over. You remember Sheila? She came over. And you'd be in the bunkie bed. I'm in the bunk. He getting it in. They having full out butt naked hot sex. <laughs> My first time seeing porn, it was live. <laughs> I'm eight. It's a live porn show. I'm watching these people have sex. I'm like, Some, don't nobody see this? It's eight other people in the house. Somebody come help me. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and I just took that lifestyle that I, that I grew up in, and I just put a spin on it and, 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 and made it humorous. And now, true if, you story, had own, if you had your uncle and you in one room, who were in the other rooms? Hmm. My grandmother had her own room. My uncle and me, my sister, would be in there with all of her aunts, my, my grandmother's daughters. Yeah. They're all in there. Now, my aunt, Black Gal, Black Gal, mm-hmm. Black Gal is her name. Real name Wanda, but Black Gal. She is on crack. The family, you know, as I got older, you know, you know I was still following. I was, they asked me, let's have an intervention and try to, 
you know, to come to the light. And, you know, she's been smoking crack for a long time. She's been smoking crack since crack been out. Yeah. Like, you know, she know crack birthday. You know, yeah. she, crack has a birthday. She comes in two days of a binge. She's having a, a full out binge, just cracking it up, just smoking crack. So I'm coming home. I came home from school to sit and have an intervention with her. Mm-hmm. Everybody's sitting around the table. Everybody is sitting around. And it's like, Didi, they call me Didi, and he was like, Didi, you're going to speak first. Just tell her what it is and tell her that we all here to help her. We're going to do this. We're going to fix this. Yeah. I'm like, okay, cool. She comes in high, strong. She's, she's geeked up. Hey, everybody. Hey. Hey. But then she realized something is wrong. Okay, what the hell is going on here? I, listen, I'm not about to have no intermission with none of y'all. I'm going to do what I want to do. Intervention. <laughs> intermission. <laughs> I'm not about to have no goddamn intermission. I'm going to do what I want to do. I said... Black out. No, let me tell y'all something. I'm gonna smoke crack till I die and walk back out the house, and everybody just sitting there like, okay, she's just, she's gonna smoke crack till she die. That's yeah. a commitment, you know. It's nothing nothing we can do to stop that. So yeah. that's going on in the room right next to me. Yeah, that's where my sister's in, and it's just constant. She's in and out the house, ripping and running. And I don't know if y'all know this, but crack stink. It's crack smell stinks. Really? Oh man. My, she would be in the bathroom, black out smoking crack, and I would smell, it smelled like burnt feet. Mm-hmm. You know, if you could imagine burnt feet, that's exactly what it smelled. She would come out, and it was, I don't know what crack feels like, but it must be amazing. It must be amazing because she comes out, and she is on top of the, I mean, she's ready for everything. And I'm watching all this as an eight-year-old, and I'm thinking to myself, I want to be traded. Yeah. I absolutely want to be traded out of this family. Please. Yeah. You know, I wanted to be kidnapped as a kid. <laughs> you wanted to be. I'm the only kid you know that was asking to be kidnapped. On my birthday, on my ninth birthday, I blew out the candles and said, what you wish for? I said to be kidnapped. Put me in a strange <laughs> van with a strange white man and let him drive me away. I'm tempting him. I'm walking outside with my shirt off. Hey, who got Kit Kats and, and candy bars? You can have me. My roommate is 40. I went out of this family. What's your thought process about moving forward in comedy and what's going on, you know, coming out of COVID, coming yeah. out, you know, everything's different? I think, personally, it is prime time for creators. Yeah. You're coming out of a position where people were locked down and they wanted things to see on the social, on, on the internet. And if you want that to put out constant content, you are thriving. Because I believe if you feed them right now while everybody's kind of, while people are locked down, once the world reopens and you've established a social media presence, I believe it goes hand in hand with a live audience. You know what I mean? If you, if you're putting in this constant barrage of, I'm dropping five videos a week and I'm on to YouTube and I'm on Instagram and I'm on Facebook and all those different audiences are seeing me. By the time I go live at a live show, they're like, I can't wait to see you delay. So I think yeah. it's, a, it's a perfect time for creators. When did the social media click for you? It clicked in, um, in cycles. For instance, like, you know, when I was just a stand up, I remember watching the social media movement with the King key runs and the King batches. And I would say, Oh man, I, I got to learn how to do that. Uh, okay, cool. Learn how to do that game. I, I learned how to, you know, properly put out content. That, yeah. That's, that's representative of me. Got that. That's just one aspect. Now, you got to keep putting out stuff, and now you have to grow that fan base. Mm-hmm. Now, after you grow that fan base, you have to curate that fan base to real ticket buyers. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's steps and stages that, that you have to go through as a creator, and it keeps evolving. It keeps changing. Yeah. You know what I mean? You may be doing it like this, and the next week is a new platform that just came out. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you have to stay 
abreast of what's going on and try try to be ahead of the curve. And uh, King Kieran, you talked about um, seeing him. He's he's always been kind of a, a kind of a big player in the space with social media. He's the one that told me, "Hey, man, because I was just doing videos, just being in this video." He was like, "Bro, you are funny. You say some of the funny shit you know, off the off the rip." He said, "Man, you should just get your camera, look in the phone, and just start talking." Yeah. You know, just, just talk how you be talking with your kids normally. So I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. And I would always, you know, have my kids and I'm shooting videos and the kids would be in the back wrestling. I'm not telling them to wrestle. We just, this is real. I think that's why I identified, the, the audience identified with it because it was a guy with his with his kids talking about real stuff. Yeah. Hey, my kids asked me about sex, the birds and the bees. I'm going to talk to them. Let me tell you about the birds and the bees. You want to hear about it? Yeah. It was between me and your mom. Oh, dad, I don't want to hear that. It was a hot and stormy night. Dad, not right now. You know, and the fact that I'm really being honest with my kids opened up a whole new audience where people was like, I like this type of humor. Yeah. In comes Deion Sanders, who has sons. Yeah. Deion Sanders became a fan of mine. Okay. And it just then Tracy McGrady, like this social media move just started, you know, affecting everybody. Yeah. You know, it's just, and I was like, oh, wow, this is what this does. You create a brand that, you know, that, that people like and you steadily push this stuff out. You get a certain respect level from people. And what what do you know when somebody like Deion Sanders, you know, finds you on you know on social media? Mm-hmm. I mean, what are you thinking? Well, I mean, what does that do to what your What the hell is the internet? Like, what is this internet thing? Yeah, Deion's. I would do these haircut videos where after I get my haircut, I would look into the camera like, oh, I look good. This looks taken in. Oh my, look at this haircut, ladies and gentlemen. This is forty-seven women in South Carolina. Oh, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, just fainted. Oh, wake him up. Tell him to take another gander. Oh, I look amazing, right? I'm doing these videos. Yeah. Deion Sanders sees it. It's like he inboxed me. And I was like, fake account. <laughs> fake account. Yeah. He was like, hey, man, big fan of what you're doing. Love what you're doing. Keep going. I screenshotted and I sent it to King Kira. He said, you son of a bitch. You son of a, that's my favorite player. Yeah. And you becoming friends with him, so I get to be friends with Junior, Deion Junior. You get Deion Sanders, I get Deion Junior. Bullshit, man. I want him as a friend. Yeah. So yeah, it was uh, ended up being him. And I went to Dallas to do a stand up show. And he texts me. He said, "Hey, man, I'm coming to your show." And I'm doing two shows at the Arlington Improv. Uh, and yeah, the Arlington Improv. And uh, after this first show, I'm selling my merchandise. Uh, and it's packed. There's people everywhere. You know, I can't get to everybody selling merch. And I look up and it's like a lot of cameras going off. I was like, they really love me out here in Arlington. There's a lot of cameras. This, you know yeah. what I mean? Flash. Yeah. You know, like paparazzi flashing. Yeah. I'm like, wow. and then I hear make way, make a hole, make way, make a hole. Like <laughs> a hole. And it's the, it just opens up. Like the whole crowd just opens up. Yeah. And, He's, he's, he's got his hat on and his head is down and it's one of my hats, the take it in hats. Cause I made take it in a slogan. Yeah. He's got his head down and I, I don't know it's him. I'm just thinking it's a fan and, but he's gotta be a special fan. Cause this whole thing didn't parted like Moses was coming through this thing. Yeah. And he looks up and he was like, delay. He walks up to me. He hugs me. He said, brother, it's a pleasure to meet you. And I look and I'm like, it's, it feels surreal. This doesn't, this doesn't feel like it's real. Yeah. And it's like all oh, these cameras are going off, cha, 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 cha. and people, yeah, oh my god, yeah, can I get a picture of you guys? So he, I said, listen, I'm gonna have my guy come back and get you and bring you to the green room. All right, cool. So it's him and another gentleman. They bring him back to the green room. I have some money, keep selling my merch, and we get in the green room. And he was like, man, 
I've put my whole family onto you. My my sons, my sister, everybody. And my pastor. He brought his pastor. Am I like, your pastor watch me too? Yeah. He said, yeah, man. I said, you know, I'll be talking some shit sometimes. He said, yeah. You know, I listened. I was like, wow. He said, man, I love the movement, man. And just keep doing what you're doing. I'm like, the social media thing. Yeah. And when was this? How long ago was this? A year ago. Really? Yep, a year ago. Wow. The social media thing has put me in front of so many different people. Wow. You know what I mean? Just from doing videos. Yeah. But it's more powerful than we think. Hey, that's a good sign, though. Mm-hmm. That's a good sign. You're doing something right. You know? You know, you can't teach what you have. And I think people recognize that. And I'm like, I keep looking at you. It's like, you know, what's wrong? What's going what's on? Wrong? Right. What's wrong? Right. What's wrong? Am I missing something here? Am I missing something? I, I think, I think, um, like, everything is evolving. Like, yeah. Hollywood, uh, you know, has, has always been the machine. Yeah. But now things are changing where creators can say, hey, man, I can I can create an audience on my own. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they start putting out stuff, quality work, quality, a lot of that. And then you start, you know, building that fan base. You build that fan base, and Hollywood has to pay attention now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, if you build value, they're going to take build, notice. Exactly. If you build the value, they're going to take gonna notice. Be, hey, what's going on over here? Hey, we want a little piece. Give us a, hey, bang production. <laughs> Listen, I, don't, I know you guys are a porn production, and, and you, well, you're not a porn production. Oh, sorry. You guys are TV. Just just TV and, and digital. Yeah, this is what we want to do. We want to get with you. You know what I mean? They only they only move when the momentum strikes. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I get it. It's it's just nothing to you know to to feel ill about. It's just what it is. That's the business of it. You yeah. have to learn to adapt and to adjust to whatever climate that you're in. A year ago, how long had you been doing social media before you met Deion Sanders? Probably about two and a half years. Two years, okay. Effectively, and you know, understanding what I'm doing and just being focused because it's a job, man. To wake up every day and put a video out. Yeah. That's a job. And people just take it for granted. Yeah. You know, people yeah. just take it for granted. And it, I realize, like, when, you know, I don't read the comments often. I may take a glance at them. But people don't realize what it takes to get up and consistently put out content. Yeah. Man, it's, this shit is whack. I've done a hundred videos for y'all. Like, I don't get no, but you got to know going in that somebody's not going to like your shit. Yeah. Stay out of the comments. Get was, your ass out of them comments because yeah. you'll have a blade to your wrist. Like, but they didn't like my 60 second video. Man, you better not read, leave it alone and be confident in what you're doing. Yeah. Because that's the only thing that's going to carry over. Like, if you don't have confidence in what you're doing and you put something out, that internet is brutal. Trash. They put 19 trash can emojis about by your. On the, on the page, like, oh, my gosh. And you're fragile. You be soft. You can't be soft right here. You have kids. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about your kids. What's it like? What, what? do they think of you as a father, having delay as a father? Well, first of all, they came out of my balls. That's how all of that, that's yeah. how we started it. Yeah. Um, they are. Because if you're on all the time, you're on with them all the time. All the time. And they're like, bro. That's enough, Dad. No, it's not enough. It's never enough. But they are funny, man. They are funny. They're quick. Yeah. They're quick with it. And it's 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 fun to sit and watch them interact. You know what I mean? Watch the sarcasm that they use on each other. And it's just it's fun to watch. And I think they understand now, like, my dad just don't care. Like, this little kid, they have a friend, his name is Will. Will was their friend when they were like eight. My sons are 14 and 15 now. Will was like eight. And they were like 10 and 11. My son's birthday is a February 12th, February 14th. So they're 366 days apart. A year and a day apart. Uh, Will is not, Will is a white kid. He's not used to me 
talking like this in front of the kids. So, you know, Will is like, when I'm talking to my kids, hey, man, get your shit together, bro. We got work to do, man. We got to get this stuff done. Will is like, what is going on over here? Yeah. What is this about? So one day, Will said, Mr. Delay, do you have to talk like that to your sons? I said, yes, I, I have to. <laughs> Absolutely have to. He said, okay, I don't understand, but but okay. Yeah. You know, and I think their friends are seeing like, man, this dude, his dad don't, because I, I don't care. I'm going to say what I want to say. And I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm never going to say anything to hurt your feelings. I'm saying it to get through to you the most stern way I know how. Because yeah. I believe in, I teach my sons before the world teaches them. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? I'm going to teach my sons about sex before they somebody teaches them the wrong way about sex. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? It may sound a little harsh to the world because if we're in a PC environment. Yeah. Like, you get your ass canceled over anything. Yeah. Anything. Small. I did a small tour of some universities yeah. that I could never go back to ever in life. South Dakota, North Dakota. It was an East Coast run, right? Mm-hmm. And they booked me. They knew what they were doing. They booked yeah. me. So... I was like, okay, well, I'll keep it clean. And the, uh, the advisor brings me in. He says, hey, D, um, we saw your YouTube, and I, we noticed you can get a little blue. Um, so here's a few words that we don't want you to say. Uh, uh, hell, uh, damn, uh, ass, shit. Of course, you know the obvious the F-bomb. I was yeah. like, okay, don't worry about it. That's cool. Yeah. I get into my act. So this is how I start my act. Hello, everybody. How are you doing? And look, yeah. I said, okay, I'm going to do a few things before we get started. I noticed that the audience may be a little sensitive. So I'm going to do a, a few words. Yeah. To just check and see what the temperature is of the crowd. Okay. Uh, ass. No. No. So I said, oh, this is a really sensitive audience. Do you know, at one point of the show, I said the word coochie. Coochie. Vagina. That's... That's vagina's synonym. Yeah. Coochie. Yeah. This little girl cried. She cried. Afterwards, the advisor brings me before the little girl. Yeah. As if he's about to chastise me. <laughs> I'm about to teach her something. She says, Delay. Now, you're supposed to be a professional. Now, this young lady is crying. I said, I understand. I said, I'm sorry that you're offended by the word coochie, but you have one. Does it offend you? It's going to be on you for the rest of your life. So you're going to be offended for a long time. So cut it off if you don't want it. Cut it off. I call it something else. And what did they say? She stopped crying. She stopped crying because she did have a coochie. Yeah. And I wasn't being offensive. And I didn't say it. it Coochie made her cry. So you got to be careful of how you, you know, how you address things things. and how you work. I know in the last podcast, we talked about your book, Mm -hmm. right? What can we get out of that book? Uh, this is what I always would like the audience to take from it. Take whatever position that you are in in life yep. at your lowest. Look at that book and see the journey that I took and know that we bleed the same blood and you can do it too. That's yeah. what it's all about. Yeah. You know what I mean? Taking somebody's struggle and saying, well, how, do, how, do, how do I get out of mine? Because as humans, we just want to see the next person do it to know that we can do it. Yeah. That's what it's all about. And when you read my book, you'll say, he went through all of that? Omar, he watched this and he smoked crack. Yes, he did on his way to school. And look at him now. Yeah. That's what your whole life should be about. Look yeah. where I was and, and look at me now. And each moment should be about you improving. Well, hence, that's comedian. Mm. Me and you have some candid conversations. Yeah. It, it is natural. We look up and it's 50 minutes and pass. <laughs> 50 <laughs> minutes. You know why? Uh-huh. 
It's 50 minutes because you're rich and you don't worry about time. <laughs> rich people I'm don't worry about rich, time. I'm like in debt. <laughs> That's a t-shirt. I'm not rich. I'm in debt. I'm in debt. And in the back half, bullshit on the back of it. <laughs> D-Lay used to be a uh, card dealer. Yes. Blackjack dealer Blackjack. in Vegas at the win, right? Yes. Okay. Started off at the lowest casino. Okay. Main Street Station. The dealers don't even have uniforms. They just give you a damn name tag, and you just figure out what the best fit is for you, and you just go deal. That's how low-end they are. They're very low-end. So I worked all the way from the bottom all the way to the top casino in Vegas. I'll give you a rundown of it another time of how we got to that point of me moving from the bottom to the top. So I'm dealing in Vegas at the win, and this guy takes out a marker. Marker is a line of credit for $25,000. He takes the twenty five thousand. I'm dealing to him. He works it up over a couple of hours. He works it up to like one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. He's up, right? He's up good. Mm-hmm. He's up a buck twenty five. Two hours worth of work. That's a great job. That's a good payday. Now for you, that's a low budget because you got a lot of money. But for somebody in the casino that's dealing and watching it, it's like wow, you just made one hundred twenty five thousand. So he says to me, and again, I'm the type of dealer that I will tell you, hey man, you want enough money? Get your ass out of here. Most dealers won't say that. They yeah. just, you know, just put the cards out there. I'm talking to these people like I talk to my sons, real talk. Yeah. So I said, uh, he said, what you think, D? I said, man, I think you should leave. You, you got enough. <laughs> you got a buck 25. He yeah. said, mm, I'm on a roll. I said, okay. Yeah. I'm going on break. Dealers work an hour and break 20. You work an hour, you break 20. Why? Because they want the dealer to be fresh. You're dealing with numbers. Yeah. They want the dealer fresh. I go on a break, 20 minutes, I come back. That man is down to 25000 U.S. dollars. What he started with. Now, for those of you who know, because I'm a gambler. I'll tell you my gambling stories. But that's hours of shit. Yeah. I'm a gambler. Now, what that means is, now the person on the outside looking into this situation would say, you know what? He didn't lose. That's his 25000 right there that he started with. Bullshit. He had 125000 extra of the casino money. Yep. So in a gambler's mind, we lost 125000 and we got to get it back. I'm dealing to him. 25000 that marker, gone. Reads up again. He gets a $100,000 marker. Now he's chasing that twenty five. Yeah. But in his mind, it ain't twenty It's one twenty five. remember? Because he had 125000 of the casino's money. Yeah. I'm dealing to him. And it's something about the luck. When it goes down, it goes down hard and fast. There's nothing you can do. You've missed that window to get out the casino, and now you're just trying to crawl back up. And the casino guards, it's like you had the money. You greedy son of a bitch. Now yeah. watch us get it back. I'm dealing. 100000 <laughs> Gone. The 100000 gone. So what I'm thinking, is, as a dealer, I'm like, okay, he's about to go to the well and get some more money. He doesn't. He puts his hands in his face. It's like this. I said, oh, shit. I know what that means. That's the last of it. Yeah. That is all. I know, I know that feeling. Yeah. So I was like, he don't have no money. He's gone. I said, um... How much total? He said, man, I don't want to think about it, man. It's like, it's like almost 300000 She's going to kill me. She? There's somebody else involved in this? Yeah, man, I got that money out of our account. Our? You took the money out your wife's account? He starts crying. Yeah. I get mad. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to sympathize with you. You took the money from the wife? You were up a buck fifty.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.